So here we are with another episode of Job Fair Podcast. Uh, like I said in the previous episodes, if you want a good idea of what this is all about, I have the very first episode of the five to ten minute little spiel about what the goal of this is. But in short, we basically want to give young people true insight into the various careers that they may be considering. Um, and then if you're not young, maybe you're just interested, whatever. So today we're talking with um, a friend of mine back in high school. We don't talk much, but, you know, it's good to catch back up with him. Um, and his name is Delarian Milner, and he went into the Air Force through the Air Force Academy. And I'm going to let him give you a little bit more of a bio about himself. And, yeah, here he goes. Sounds good. Yeah, man, it's, it's good to, to catch up to, with you too, Cody. Um, it's, it's been a while for sure. But uh, thank you for having me on. Um, and I guess – I've never like been interviewed before, so I, I'm going to just go ahead and throw this out uh, in the beginning just because I've seen it done a couple of times. So like just the disclaimer, like the Air Force disclaimer, uh, the thoughts and, and views that I'm going to say are, are my own. Like they don't necessarily <laughs> represent the Air Force or anything. So just want to throw that out there. Uh, but, yeah, my name is Delarian Milner. Um, I went to the I went to GMC, graduated uh, the year after Cody, 2014, um, and then uh, went over to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, uh, studied legal studies, majored in legal studies, and graduated in 2018 uh, and commissioned as a second lieutenant in the United States Air Force. I am uh, currently, I actually just finished uh, specialized undergraduate pilot training um, about a week ago. So I am a I'm a winged aviator. I'm an actual pilot. Um, so uh, hopefully this will this will be like helpful because uh, I, I just became a pilot, so I don't really uh, <laughs> don't really have a whole lot of, of uh, experience in the in the actual career field yet. But uh, mm -hmm. I can I can definitely give you know some I guess tips and, and advice for I guess how far I have gone. So um, need, is that is that good? Any, anything else bio wise? That sounds great. Just know he's being a little bit humble. Um, as I knew him at GMC, he was a great student, involved in every facet of schooling, and did well. So just to give you a little more insight. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. So, yeah, this will probably be focused a little more heavily on how, how to get where you've gotten. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, whatever you can talk about um, experiences and everything, that's great. So, I mean, the first question that um, I tend to ask people is if you're comfortable saying, you know, roughly what your pay is or like, I know they can look up a pay scale for the ranks in the Air Force, mm -hmm. but I guess to give them an idea of uh, how quickly you climb the ranks going through this route um, and, you know, roughly what the pay is, if you're comfortable sharing that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, with, with all these, um, I actually looked up my, uh, like my... My leaving earnings statement to, to have a, an actual number to tell you, um, but with these, I, I think it'll it'll vary based on the on the career field. Um, but the, the base pay, like you said, you, um, anybody can look that up, like on the internet. Um, but for let me see, I'll pull it up real quick. Um, as a, as a pilot, I get um, a little extra extra pay just based on uh, the nature of the job. So like. My base pay as a, as an O2. I'm actually I'm a first lieutenant now. I, I just ranked up uh, this this past year, uh, or actually in May of 2020. Actually, is when I when I ranked up to first lieutenant. And so my base pay right now is 
45.51 and then uh i get flight pay uh, of 150 bucks so that's kind of nice so that's that's around where i'm sitting uh and like i said i'm an o2 so that's a, a first lieutenant um and i've been in for two years and some change like two years and a couple months so usually the first couple ranks uh so from second lieutenant to first lieutenant is two years and then from first lieutenant to captain is two years i'm pretty sure um, and then okay. after that, it starts to, uh, change up. All right, cool. So those are almost like guaranteed promotions after a certain while. Does it get more, uh, I guess like a competitive base. So essentially the first couple, uh, ranks. So like from second lieutenant to first lieutenant and then first lieutenant to captain, those are, I guess you could say like guaranteed as long as you don't do anything crazy. Um, mm -hmm. but then after that, it, it starts to take into account, you know, the leadership positions that you had. Uh, the schooling, if you've continued your, your schooling, got a master's and, and that kind of deal. Um, and then from there, it's it's a lot more competitive. You, you go to, to boards and they start to look at, all right, what has this guy done over his, what has this guy or girl done over the, the course of their career? Um, and then mm -hmm. that, they'll kind of rack and stack you. Um, and com you're, you're competing against your, your peers at that point. Mm -hmm. And you may not know the answer to this one, but... Once you get kind of so high, do you top out and pretty much have to go to a, a different position to go higher? Like other than a pilot, or do you know that? That's a really interesting question. I'm not I'm not quite sure. I know the the longer that you're in the Air Force, and especially as a pilot, you fly less and less. So like the more responsibility you get, uh, you know, you'll be in more like staff jobs, you'll be in more command positions. And so the flying will be kind of a, a back burn on the on the back burner, and you'll be more so in a, in a leadership, um, like management type uh, type role, so I guess sort of um, your your job changes more so from flying to like um, actually being that commander in charge of uh, you know managing like a, a base or, or some some larger group. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. And then uh, just be clear about earlier. I think you said your pay was like forty five fifty one is your base pay. Yeah. Is that like a, an hourly rate or is that? A... Oh, sorry, sorry. That was that was just in in June. So like that that's monthly. Oh, okay. That's the monthly pay. Okay. Yeah, Just yeah, to have right, it clear. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. No problem. <laughs> okay. So uh, another question I have for you is what, what kind of compelled you to go to the Air Force personally? Or, um, you know, was it necessarily your goal specifically to go to the Air Force Academy or did you just want to go to the military or what? So it's funny that you asked that because I'm be honest with you. After going to, to GMC, I love GMC with all my heart. So glad that I went. Like it, it was nothing but a, a blessing. And Air Force Academy was has been was nothing but a blessing. And same I can say for the Air Force. But coming out of high school, like leading up to graduation stuff, I did not want to do the military thing. Like <laughs> we've been we've been we're in this like seven year club. We we've been marching since we were like twelve. I was like I am kind of sick of this. But um, the way it turned out, it was, it was nothing but the grace of God. Like I, when it came time to make a decision on where to go, um, I had applied to a bunch of schools, Air Force Academy being included, um, and the whole process with that uh, is, is pretty involved. But uh, when it came down to it, I got accepted to a bunch of places, but Air Force Academy was essentially the, the only choice I had because I couldn't really afford to go anywhere else. And so it's free to go there and you get paid. So like in hindsight, I'm, I'm kind of like, Thinking why? What was I? What was I thinking? Looking at anywhere else besides there? Yeah, why would you not apply there? If you're gonna apply to places, why not? Exactly. Yeah. So 
the, the military, I wasn't really thinking thinking military uh, as as the route. Um, I, was, I was honestly trying to do uh, engineering. I wanted to go to either Georgia Tech or, or Auburn and do some kind of engineering. Uh, but mm. uh, yeah, that that's not how it, it turned out, and I'm, I'm very thankful for it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think so. General Caldwell and, and General Boyle and they they kind of encouraged me to apply to the service academy, uh, and then also. Uh, and then Colonel Lewis too, he, he encouraged me to apply to um, for uh, a ROTC scholarship, ROTC scholarship. I didn't really go that route just because it was, you know, either academy or I'll do something non-military. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the the driving factor uh, for going to the academy. Yeah, and I'll try and find somebody who went through the ROTC experience because that's a little bit different. They pay for your college. I'm yeah. not sure if it's full or not. I'm going to try and find somebody to interview about that too. But this, to be clear, does pay full tuition and give you a stipend to live on while you're going through college, correct? Yep they they pay for they pay for everything. So every everyone's essentially like on a scholarship if you want to think of it that way. Um, and we're actually, and I'm not 100 percent sure exactly how it how it works out, but like we are um, sort of a pseudo active duty while we're while we're at the academy, and so we get paid. I think it was at like a an E1 level, like the, uh, uh, as enlisted essentially. Um, so we got okay. a, a legit like paycheck, uh, each month. It wasn't all a lot, especially like freshman year, maybe a couple, mm-hmm. couple hundred bucks, but, um, still we, we had everything paid for like, um, lodging. We had, uh, meals yeah, every so day. Kinda could cover your books or whatever, maybe. Um, and, and it, was we, that covered? We kind of had, we still had to pay for, for some things like, like books. Um, when, when the semester started, we, I do remember having to pay for, for books and stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. the majority of it, like was all, all paid for. We, we didn't have to worry about, uh, that much of anything. Okay. That's good. And I can speak from experience. Um, if, if you are going to college and you don't have that much time to work, um, a lot of people kind of think about tuition as their biggest cost and it is a big cost for a lot of people, but, uh, just, housing is probably most people's biggest cost during college. So especially in colleges where more and more they're trying to uh, force you to live on campus at least your first year and they upcharge their rent. So, I mean, that's a big thing right there, just having free lodging. So that's good. I had some questions kind of about the details and you may or may not know, but so if you went and you did this, um, you took this offer, let's say your grades dropped below a certain point. Is there a, a certain point where you would lose that offer or they would kick you out or anything like that? Um, so the, I guess the, uh, the process of getting into, getting into the Academy and, and staying at the Academy, but we'll, we'll start from, from like you're accepted, you're going, you, you show up for um, in processing day, I day at the Academy. Um, what is it kind of like? So, we actually have basic cadet training, so it's it's not nearly as uh as like rigorous as as Ryan was probably telling you for for uh, boot camp, um, but it, it's still it's still pretty challenging. And uh, I think when I when I came in our class, I might be wrong on the numbers, but it was somewhere around fourteen hundred or or so, maybe maybe a little bit more, but I think around fourteen hundred people were in our initial in processing class, class twenty eighteen. Um, and I think we ended up graduating with about uh, just under a thousand nine hundred and some change. And so okay. there, there, there was a pretty high attrition rate from from the beginning to the end. But just going through, you, you make it through basic training and you become an actual cadet. 
And so that's when you start uh, taking your classes and, and going through all the, uh, you know, just going through the normal uh, student life, uh, cadet life. And so when it comes to grades, uh, you, you need to keep uh, above a above a 2.0 um, okay. GPA. Uh, but so and there there's processes. So like if you do get below 2.0, um, you will get on uh, academic probation. Uh, and so that's that's basically they're going to keep an extra eye on you. You have uh, upperclassmen that are assigned to you to help you through the, uh, you know, get your grades up. Uh, and then you, you go to um, tutoring sessions. We, we call it extra instruction. And all the instructors stay behind after the, the school day. Probably most of them probably at least like three hours. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, like they are wow. they're there to help. That's you. a lot of help. Yeah, it, it's crazy. dude. <laughs> um, and so uh, there, there's there's a lot of opportunity to get better academically, uh, but we, we do have uh, academic probation for, for those that either your uh, overall GPA drops below 2.0 or you could get on academic probation if your overall GPA is uh, higher than 2.0, but you're failing. You have a failing grade in, in one one class or uh, in one class or something. Yeah, I think it's either one or two classes, but some some like that. there's two different ways to be on on ACPRO. Um, but they, they won't unless unless it gets gets bad and, and you don't show any improvement. Um, most most of the time, because I was I was on ACPRO Ac, Ac um, my freshman year, um, and so it it was it was kind of tough. Just I don't know, it didn't feel good to be not doing well in school. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't ever fear, you know, getting getting kicked out. Uh, if that if that makes sense, um, but. I don't know. Ac academics is is a, a big, I guess, hurdle for a lot of folks at the academy. It, it's it's pretty rigorous, um, but you, you can definitely if you if you get accepted and you get in, like they're they're basically saying like you have what it takes to get through this, yeah. this program to to graduate from this institution. So like I, I don't know. I think I think if you get in, you can you can stay in. You can you can make it. They've already done their due diligence of vetting, and they're pretty right. confident in the people that go in now. There is about a third to a quarter, a quarter to a third of people. It seems like uh, don't make it through or just don't graduate on time. I'm not really sure which one that is. Uh, do you think people are leaving uh, because of the academic side, or they just have a change of heart and don't want to uh, go into the military? Or I don't know. What What would you say if you had a guess? Yeah, man. That's there's a little bit of a little bit of all of that. Um, I, okay. I know of people that left during basic basic training just because okay it, it, it was like I said, it was pretty tough like and if you're not used to um the military uh like not used to having to march not used to you know people yelling at you and stuff like that's a culture shock for a lot of people um and so mm -hmm. there there was a lot there was quite a few people that left during basic and then after we got done with basic academics it, it can be a little bit much for some people who you know sometimes maybe they're expecting a college experience where you know you didn't have to study a whole lot or maybe came in as like an athlete and kind of thought you were gonna you know have it have it kind of easy like not not to stereotype anybody but that people have different perceptions of, of what it's going to be like so academics um is one that gets people we uh at the academy we still have a uh an honor code remember how we had it at gmc there's an honor mm -hmm. code at, at the academy as well um and that is that's one that that kind of kind of gets people to getting on honor probation or having multiple honor hits, like violating the honor code. It's it's taken very seriously, and so 
that's one that can that can be that can be troublesome for for some people as well. Uh, and then when it comes to fitness too, you gotta we have a fitness test. Um, and so if you're not, you know, if you're not up to up to snuff on your on your fitness test, or if you're if you're failing some of your, I guess PE classes, that that can also be an issue. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of different reasons why people leave. Yeah, like like you said kind of sometimes like people just realize like, Hey, this isn't for me. And it's nothing. They were doing well in, in school. Like they were performing physically, like all, all this stuff, like everything is fine. It's just, you know, I'm not feeling it. Um, that, that happens quite a bit too. So there, there's, there's plenty of, plenty of different reasons why um, people end up not seeing it all the way through. Um, so. Mm. And I, I'd imagine those people, if they like, they'll say they're two years in and then leave. Um, I imagine they would probably have to pay some of that back. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if you know, but so I mean. the the way that works is uh, it, it's actually pretty cool. Like the freshman and sophomore year at the academy, um, uh, best way I can categorize it for this example or whatever is is think of those as being free. Like you can you can leave okay. scot free, no harm, no foul. Like it wasn't for you, it just wasn't for you. So. Uh, okay, that's pretty nice. Yeah, it, it really is because you, you're really still, you know, freshman in college. You're you're kind of figuring yourself out or whatever. Like you, you don't, mm-hmm. you're still a kid coming out of coming out of high school. Like you, you really don't know. You're getting a feel for, you know, what do I want to do in my life? And so they they take it, take that into account. And then uh, as soon as you hit your uh, so junior year, first class of junior year, you're we have what's called commitment. And so much committed. It's essentially like, all right, cool. I'm signing dotted line. Like, I'm in this thing. Um, I'm not gonna, not gonna mess up. I'm not gonna leave on my own of my own uh, will or whatever. Up until that point, you can leave, no issue, no no problem. Uh, but after that point, if you do uh, either get kicked out or or you leave the academy for whatever reason, um, and they there's 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 definitely like levels to it. It can be a complex situation where you know they can they can work with you, but if you do leave, you either have to pay back the Air Force in, in money or time. Uh, and so not to like speculate on, on what I don't know, but my understanding is with the time aspect, you can pay back that time as as an enlisted uh, personnel. I, I, I know of at least two people just during my time there that were going to the academy while I was there. Uh, and now they're uh, enlisted paying back that time just because the the amount of money you would have to pay is kind of like it's not happening. I imagine that's, that's exorbitantly high to kind of convince you to do time instead. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So what I mean, um, once you finish and you graduate, I'm sure there's also a commitment to stay in the Air Force uh, as well. Is that like a one year to one year thing or a one year to a one semester thing or what? Right. So the your commitment after you graduate and it's, it's job dependent, it's career field dependent. So uh, okay. For for me, pilot pilot training that that is that kind of adds to your commitment. Um, the Air Force is spending a lot more like time and resources on you, and your your value. You have a, a very particular skill set that they want to keep. Like we are the Air Force, right? So once you graduate and you're going pilot, you're going to be a pilot. Your commitment is going to be ten years, and that starts after you complete pilot training. So my ten years. Oh, okay. Started. Uh, for the for the commitment at least started last uh, Friday or Saturday, uh, right after graduation. So that's it's a ten year commitment for for pilots, for um, non rated AFSCs. So 
acquisitions, maintenance, um, what else? Contracting, those, those kind of jobs. Um, that's a five-year commitment. So after you graduate, you're going, let's say you're going uh, civil engineering or something. Uh, you, you, owe the Air, you owe the Air Force five years. Uh, and then after that, you can either choose to stay in um, or you can go into the civilian sector and, and uh, start, your, start your post Air Force life. Um, but yeah, so usually it's five-year commitment for non-rated AFSCs and 10-year commitment for, for the pilots. Okay, and you said the pilot training lasts about two years. You said, or it's I, I can't I can't remember the the exact number of like months that is like technically supposed to be, oh, okay. but just around a year is how long. Okay, it's around been. a year. Yeah. So, what is uh, can you describe like the day to day life at the academy? Because obviously you have your classes, and I'm sure you have to do like a uh, formation drill, maybe some PT in there too. Uh, can you kind of go through like daily life on campus? <laughs> you think back, yeah. So, uh, just a, a normal, a normal day. Uh, you wake up, and and this part kind of looked different at different times at the academy, um, like different years. But you get up, and you have some kind of accountability formation. Either we're forming up outside, or we're forming up in the hallways, or we're meeting up at the at the cafeteria and and doing accountability that way. But the morning is always some kind of accountability to make sure everybody's good. Um, and then uh, after that, uh, and I'm not going to say times because I'd just be spitballing. I can't remember uh, what times these were. But after that, uh, usually you have like your, your first first class or so. So the school day pretty much starts after that, maybe an hour, hour or so after breakfast. And then you have classes uh, all the way through around lunchtime, uh, and we were on a, we called them M days and T days. So uh, M days, you basically have a split schedule. You have one set of classes mm -hmm. on M days, the other set on T days, and they would just alternate um, uh, each week. Um, and so you go through classes up until like lunch, and then before we had lunch, we'd have new meal formation. So it would all form up, and all the cadets in the, in the wing would form up outside uh, in the, uh, on the terrazzo. Um, let me see, and that's that's the spot where if you if you know the spires, like our our uh, famous chapel, um, okay. the, with the seventeen like you know, I don't know points, <laughs> but basically that is overlooking the terrazzo. That's that's the cadet area, um, and uh, we would. So we it's would almost like up. a parade ground. Exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Just okay. you can think of it like that. Um, so we form up out there, and then. We do all our our stuff, um, and then we we'd all march to to uh, Mitch's Mitchell Hall. That's our cafeteria, and every single cadet in the wing would be in there. Like they'd be feeding like four thousand people all at once. It's kind of crazy that I think about it now. Like that's a lot of people and a lot of food. Um, so we eat lunch, uh, and then after lunch, <clears throat> you know, go back to classes. And I'm pretty sure classes would end around. I want to say like. 3.30-ish, so, somewhere around there was the end of like the school like class schedule. Um, and uh, after that, your schedule kind of depended on, you know, whether or not you were uh, like a recruited athlete, playing a sport, uh, or if you were just kind of like a normal normal cadet. Um, so if you were an IC, uh, intercollegiate athlete, you probably go to practice pretty shortly after, after lunch. You might have like a class or, or two, maybe, I think. Um, and then you spend the majority of the rest of your evening at practice 
maybe you had like, I don't know, lifting or something. You had to go to the weight room to, to do your team lift. Um, and then after that, they would, they would usually go to dinner as a team. And then from there, the, the night was kind of, kind of yours to do like homework and, and other stuff like studying. Uh, and then, uh, It'd be a, it'd be a good it'd be a good night for me at least to be in bed by like ten or eleven. Uh, I'm a night owl, so it took me a while to to get to bed. But so that's that's kind of the, the IC schedule. I wasn't an IC. I was a I was a normal just uh, going to school kind of kind of cadet. Um, but uh, so for for my schedule after the the school day was over, it was pretty much whatever whatever I wanted to whatever I wanted to do whatever kind of obligations I had. So um, I played um club handball freshman year and then i played uh, club soccer the rest of the time and so practice was usually around like 4 30 ish um so going going to do practice uh and then kind of like the the i sees after practice probably go get dinner and then maybe go to the gym or something like that or uh straight back to your room to start studying and doing homework and what else what else what else yeah it, i think it, it really depends on what kind of activities you're in um, and then for intramurals, we had intramurals pretty much all throughout the, throughout the year. Um, and so that would be about, we'll say about two hours or so. And I think those were every other day and everybody, everybody who isn't an intercollegiate athlete takes part in some kind of sport, like intramural sport or club sports. So every, everybody's really active and, and there's a lot of, a lot of different clubs and teams you can be on at the academy. So. Man, your day, that's that's generally what your day is. Like wake up in the morning, go through your classes, uh, and then um, you know, study and, and do homework stuff and then go to bed at night. But there was clubs and teams and all that kind of stuff kind of sprinkled in there. Okay, cool. I'm guessing you had like in boot camp they take away your cell phones and you can't like necessarily leave and all that, but I'm guessing you kinda had the freedoms to to, you know, leave campus if you wanted to. You had your phone, obviously not like formation or something, but you know, you had those freedoms right and uh with, with those yeah and uh it's kind of uh the the privileges you get more and more um the longer you're there so like as a, as a freshman we weren't really we were restricted a lot we didn't we couldn't go off base as much uh, but then okay. by the time we hit senior year like you had your car at that point so you can go like you can leave pretty much every day if you wanted to as long as you're you're taking care of your schoolwork and stuff like that um so with each year, you got a little bit more, a little bit more freedom. Um, and then one other, like distinctive thing that that really stuck out to me was the fact that you can't have, you can't own and operate like your own personal vehicle until junior year hmm. at the academy. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, and so we had like a. Um, Did y'all have like a shuttle you took into town for like? Uh, well, I guess you didn't have to go get groceries or anything. So I don't know. Did they have a shuttle to take you in town every once in a while? Nah, we we had like this. It was a pretty cool tradition where the upperclassmen they would let you borrow their cars, um, as long oh, as you okay. like brought them back food or something like that. So that was <laughs> that was our, our means of like getting off base. That's how you get around. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, that's pretty funny. I asked Ryan another uh, the same question, but I was curious: How do you think uh, GMC or I guess JRTC in general? prepared you for the air force academy do you think it, it prepared you or do you think it didn't really matter what man for sure it it helped like so much man like the fact that like i said we we have been marching since we were like 12 and so mm-hmm. in basic that made it a lot easier for me because like there were there were, 
I would say the majority of the folks that, that came, like they hadn't gone to a, an ROTC school. Like they, they hadn't done J Rossi. They, they weren't, um, you know, familiar with the military ranks and, and like drilling ceremony and all that kind of stuff. So like definitely in basic. And when it came to marching and all that kind of stuff, it was like, Oh man, it's too easy. It's like, we're just walking. Like, so that, that helped out a lot. Um, and then just the, uh, I don't know, kind of the, the structure, uh, the discipline aspect of, of like just being like military environment. Um, it wasn't that much of a, it wasn't as much of a culture shock to me as it was to a lot of my other friends. So I, I would say that's, it definitely helped. Yeah, that's that's really similar to what he said. He said the, the biggest benefit, you know, anybody can learn how to march in like a day or something really, but he said the biggest benefit was just like you already had that culture in your head so it wasn't a culture shock and for some people it is especially you know you know jrtc is probably like a kind of like a halfway or a baby version of it yeah once you go off to like actual boot camp it's it's a little more grown up but it helps a little bit is what he kind of made it sound like and what you said too so that's good so i mean that that sounds like a piece of advice there if if you want to go to a military academy or something and it probably helps your application too if you're in a jrtc program Mm-hmm. which for those of you who don't know it's uh, it's just like a prep program for people who want to go to the military i think you even start out at a higher rank or something i don't know if that helped you at all going into the air force academy with your rank uh no we, we all started at the same same level uh, okay. going to the academy but I, I think that is true though if you, if you like enlist or something if you enlisted yeah yeah, yeah. okay cool so uh, one other question i had was um do you have like a lot of the same options in terms of degrees as like a typical college like could you do engineering or or business or like i guess like art or whatever yeah yeah like there's uh one of my one of my best buddies uh from the academy he was an english major um what else we there's there's history majors uh plenty of like management majors uh i got a buddy who was a biology major um what else bunch of engineering friends there there's we got humanities we got the techie majors like we got a bunch of different fuzzy like i was a, i was a legal studies major like at the okay. academy um so that's it's kind of like pre-law at a at a normal school but there's there's definitely a wide range of of uh like disciplines you can get into um we we probably don't have as many as um you know a big i don't know Probably not like UGA, but right, know. right, right, right. But there, there's actually there's a really good, really good spread. Um, and then also another cool thing about it is the fact that your your major, whatever you decide to study, doesn't necessarily uh, determine what job, what career field you're going to be in once you graduate. So, like for example, okay. um, like I say, I was a I was a legal studies major. Uh, a friend of mine was a behavioral science major. Uh, another friend of mine was civil engineering major. All three of us are pilots now, and we had three okay, very good. different, very different majors. The only time it really affects um, what your career field is is if it's something like you're not going to be an engineer in the Air Force if you studied, I don't know, history, right? You, mm-hmm. you need an engineering major to to be an engineer. And then same sort of deal okay. with um, like if you want to be in the medical field, um, you're probably going to study biology. Uh, at the at the academy you're gonna be a biology major uh, and I think also with if you want to be like a, a test pilot or something kind of higher higher level like that uh, I want to say you need to have uh, like an astronautical or 
aeronautical, you need to have some kind of like engineering uh, background for, for that kind of deal. But uh, for just if you want to be contracting or, or pilot or maintenance, some some of those fields like that, you can major in whatever you can pick whatever major you want at the academy and you can still do that. OK, yeah. You basically answered my next question. I was going to ask you if there's any restrictions based on your position you wanted come junior year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you decide that junior year or do you decide that after you graduate? Uh, like junior, year. junior year. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So there is some restriction. Like obviously if you're going into a technical field, you kind of need that technical degree mm-hmm. that matches. That's good. That answers that. And do you know if, like say if you wanted to go to a uh, postgraduate degree, like let's say you did want to go and be a doctor and they need medics in the field. Do you think, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but do you think they'd allow you to go and get your postdoctorate and then serve your time? Man, these are some good questions, dude. They, uh, <laughs> so there, there's, I'll use like myself as an example, uh, just to, to tell you that, yes, there is definitely that opportunity to go like postgrad immediately after the academy. Like I'll talk about my, my uh, kind of route and how I didn't go that way. Uh, and then I've also got um, a couple of friends that did go that route. One in particular I'm thinking about, she, she went uh, the medical route. She just got done with uh, med school, I think earlier this year. Um, so like, I, if I hadn't gotten my pilot slot, if they told me that I wasn't going to be a pilot, I was um, going down the route of trying to go to law school right after um, the academy um, and, and join the JAG Corps. And so there's definitely multiple different ways of, of getting from there to there, basically. Um, and the friend that I'm talking about, she was, what was she? Man, I'm pretty sure she was behavioral science. Um, and she actually got another um, AFSC that wasn't medical, but she still went to to medical school, medical school. Um, so I'm not quite sure how that one worked out, but that just goes to show like you you can be classed in one career field and still have an opportunity, however you do it, where there's a will, there's a way to mm-hmm. um, get into get into another career field that you like to to go into. Um, so yeah. Going to grad school, it's competitive to go to grad school right after the academy, but it, it mm-hmm. definitely can be done and it is done like very often. And is that grad school done at the academy or can you go to any college after that and they'll pay for it or? Yeah, you, you apply to you apply to different colleges. Um, like okay. uh, if I had done the law school thing, I would have had to apply to different law schools and get accepted. And then once I got mm-hmm. accepted, then the rest of the process would have would have kept going to where like the Air Force will, will pay for me to finish up and then. That, like you said, that time, I owe them that time that they, they invested the money into me, so I'm giving them back the time in the career field. So it adds on to your time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's good, though. That lets people know if they're considering, even if they want to go further than just a grad, just an undergraduate degree, mm-hmm. this could still be a, an avenue for that. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about your time when you were doing the actual pilot training at all? Yeah. What uh, was that like compared to, uh, I guess, the Air Force Academy? Yeah. Man, the Air Force Academy, it was that was some of the most fun I ever had. Like it was very tough, but it was it was a good time, man. I'll tell anybody that asks, like, I loved it. I love my time there. Um, pilot training. I've also enjoyed my time here. It's it's been a really good experience, but it's been it's probably I I would say it's like the toughest thing that I've had to do so far. And it's not even, you know, they're like not even you're getting beat down all the time, like in, in basic or you know, people are like yelling at you all the time, like getting in your head. It's just 
it's just different, man. You're, you're learning how to, mm-hmm. how to do something that you, we weren't designed to do. Like we don't have wings, but we're, <laughs> we're learning how to fly. Right. Um, so I don't know, like there's, there's three different phases, right? You start off, you get to your, your base, uh, and you start off with academics. So you go through um, academics, learning about, it's called the T6, the T6 Texan II. Um, that's what everybody um, starts off flying um, when you start off pilot training. So you go through academics, uh, and that is, I think it's, it's a couple months, I'm pretty sure. Um, then once you get done with all your tests and whatnot, um, learn about the systems and, and all that good stuff, then you move to the uh, to phase two, and that's actually flying the T6. So you're actually putting into practice the things that you learn in academics, uh, and you're getting you're getting that air sense about you. You're learning how to be an aviator. You're getting that aviator mindset, right? Um, so you go through uh, T6s, uh, and then you move on to phase three, and that is kind of where it branches off. You get more specialized. So you can either go uh, the T38 route. That's the route where guys are trying to be fighter pilots and bombers. Um, you can go the T1 route. That's uh, cargo, um, tankers, um, the, the heavy aircraft, basically, uh, and uh, like the ASOC mission. So like the AC-130 gunship, you'd be T1 going that route. Uh, and then the route that I don't really know a whole lot about is uh, guys can go, you can go helicopters from UPT. So you you go, uh, where is that? Somewhere, in, I want to say it's in... It'll, it'll come back to me. It's definitely in Alabama where you go to, to learn how to fly the, the helicopter. Um, but that's that's phase okay. three. Um, so you're, you're specialized into whatever aircraft that you will be flying operationally. Man, it's, it's tough to it's tough to kind of filter <laughs> it down into like what was UPT like? Yeah. It was a lot of studying. Um, I'm not just to be honest with you, I'm not the best like student in my own mind. Like I, I still I'm trying to figure out the best way that I study. Um, I, I got mm. a, better, a little bit better idea, um, but yeah, definitely good study habits, uh, being being like disciplined, um, prioritizing your time, I'm still working on that too. Um, like I got into meal prepping to, to keep myself from like mm-hmm. eating out all the time, like little, just little stuff like that. I'll go into the experience, like the, the people that I've met here. Um, there's been a lot of friends from the academy, but also you got ROTC people, you got OTS people, also training school. Um, you got a bunch of guys that were like prior enlisted who used to be navigators and, and combat systems operators in different planes and stuff. One of one of my best buddies who was in my class for T6s, he had actually flown, uh, he was in the Army, and he had flown helicopters for like nine years and then switched over to the Air Force, and now he's flying the KC-135 tanker. So, yeah, man, the people that you meet make the experience – there's not a whole lot of, like I said, you're not getting like physically, like they're not making you do exercise and stuff like that. But it is kind of a, it's kind of a mental game um, as well. It kind of, they kind of beat you down a little bit in T6s. So it, it kind of, you got to have some, some intestinal fortitude uh, to get, get through that one. Uh, and then once you get through that phase, phase three is a little bit more, I'll say professional, like not to say they're unprofessional, but it, it's a different, different vibe in phase three. Cause like, all right, we know you know how to fly. Let's, let's teach you how to fly like this jet, learn a new jet. So, um, man, it's, it is a, it's a unique bird, man. Like UBT is, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> 
So I, ha I have a lot of questions with all that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first of all, is one just more of a personal curious question because I've always heard this rumor. Is it true that there is a height limit if you want to be a jet fighter pilot? Yes. Yep. Oh, okay. And what is it? it <laughs> I, it's six something, and it's it's uh not not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're good, bro. You're good. <laughs> Win um, for the short people. <laughs> it's, and it's sitting height. Which is which is another interesting aspect of it. Like you can, oh okay. You, you, so you might have like a taller torso, yeah, be under six foot or you know whatever. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Do you have to do any kind of, uh, I guess, like ejection training? I guess like parachuting. Yep. We uh. Um, okay. Oh, not not actual. I'm sorry. We we didn't actually like jump out of planes. For like you're not actually ejecting because that'd be a huge waste of money. <laughs> right. But. You jump out of another plane that still has a pilot and you're parachuting, right? So we, we didn't actually do that. We we oh, okay. um, we had like there's a there's a station on base where you go through and it's during like academics. Um you practice um you know being under under canopy. It's basically like a big um I, I think of it like a, a jungle gym basically, but it's it's a big rig where um it's got the um risers coming down and it's got the, the harnesses and you kinda of strap in. And like simulate as if you're under canopy so like you kind of get the feel of being in the harness and stuff and we uh we okay. like jump off of uh platforms and practice our pilot landing fall um and then we also probably my favorite part was we got it got strapped into the harness that wasn't attached to the rig um and we had we have like two or three guys like at the other end of the straps and Basically, you just drag your buddy across the the field, and it's to, to practice like disconnecting from the from the parachute. Let's say you landed, and then the wind got to hold your parachute and is dragging you across. We had to practice like disconnecting from the from the chute, um, and that was that was a really good time. Um, so we we practiced um, the uh, how we would you know go about like cool being on the canopy. If we're landing in water, how is that different from uh, landing in the trees or how we go about, like, if we're coming up at a, a power line or something, how are we going to, you know, uh, brace ourselves for that? Um, and so we, we talked about the ejection seat, what to expect, like, all the specs with that. And then, like I said, we, we practice, like, being under canopy, quote, unquote. That sounds cool. So what's the attrition rate for, like, pilot school? Do you say it's similar to Air Force Academy? And then if they fail that or, you know, if they, if they, you know, can't make that or for whatever reason don't want to do that anymore, do they just kind of move over to a different role like maintenance or something? Yeah. Um, I would say, I, I don't think it's as high as, uh, as the Academy. Um, I'm trying to think you don't really, I, at least I, I really didn't hear too much about like people failing out of pilot training. I always heard that it was a thing and, and that it was always like that. Uh, the, the monster under your bed, like make sure you're studying. We, you don't want to be, you don't want to be like that. Um, but honestly, not, not too many people that I can recall, like actually failed out of pilot training. Um, I have one of my, one of my best buddies. He kind of like I was talking about with people leaving the Academy, like he just felt like it wasn't for him. Like he, he got into the actual flights and kind of got a feel for, for what it was like. Um, and it was it wasn't his his cup of tea, um, and he he uh, it's called uh, drop on request. Uh, so he DOR and exactly like you said, you go into another career field. Um, so you can he is doing uh, 
me see. I want to say contract. I'm pretty sure contracting. I, I, I should know, know this off the top of my head, but it's either acquisitions or uh, contracting, and he's in, in Boston right now. Um, and so if you don't finish UPT, it's, not, it's nothing to, like, I guess, like, be ashamed of or anything like that. Um, you just go mm. to a different different career field. Like, the Air Force is still um, – you are still valuable to the Air Force. Like, you're still valuable to the country, right? Um, and so your talents just will be used in a, in a different different way. All right. Good. Also, I had a quick question. Yeah. Um, is the did you have an option for the Space Force? <laughs> is that a thing yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, that was like that was like towards the end when we started hearing about like the Space Force. <laughs> I don't know, man. I guess there'd be uh, I don't know, like like Luke Skywalker fly, flying in the in the X wings and stuff. <laughs> All right. So, how was your first experience? I guess actually flying uh, your plane. Mm-hmm. Was that intimidating? Did you? I'm guessing you had a you know a co-pilot there with you or something, a trainer with you. But how was that experience? Um, so the very first time um, we have what's called initial, uh, yeah, initial flight training, and it's actually before the academic phase that I was talking about. Um, we fly in the the DA20, the Mighty Katana. It's uh, it's a two seater. Um, let me see. I think I think it's made by. No, nah, I'm not even gonna try. I'm just gonna butcher that. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a pretty, it's a pretty small one, and it's legit just to get you used to being up in the air, um, how how it feels to fly. Um, and so, yeah, we sat side by side with our instructor, um, and we learned like the basics about um, like just flying, about um, how just the characteristics of flight, basically. And so we got we got quite a few flights there, and we actually went back up to that program is in Pueblo, Colorado. So I got a chance to. So we'll go back up to Colorado um, for that. Um, but then get into the T6. T6 got some kick, like a lot compared to the, to the DA20. And so, yeah, it, it was kind of intimidating, um, especially because you hear about like how people get air sick and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. thankfully that that wasn't the case for me. I never really got air sick, um, but um, that's kind of an intimidation factor. And then two is just being in a, in a brand new, brand new aircraft, like having to having to learn like a brand new aircraft. Um, that was kind of intimidating. But the flying itself in the T6, the student sits in the front seat and then the instructor sits in the back seat. So we're not side by side in the T6. We're, uh, okay. you know, front and back. And so um, you fly. Anytime you're doing an instructional sortie, you're going to have an IP back there. So uh, like that's a that's kind of a safety net. I, I feel a lot safer um, being in there um, at least starting off when you're just figuring out how to fly it. Um, having that instructor back there to make sure, you know, if I mess up, like you got us, right? Um, so uh, T6 was, was pretty fun. Like we did um, aerobatics, like uh, like aileron rolls and loops and spins and that kind of stuff. Um, that was kind of fun um, looking back on it. <laughs> but, uh, and then in the T6, you also get to solo. Uh, I got two solos in the, in the T6. Um, and so the first solo is first time you're, uh, we had a solo in the, in the DA 20, but it wasn't, it wasn't the same. Like we just kind of did a couple patterns, but in the T six, you get to go out and do like aileron rolls and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then you get another solo later on in phase two, uh, and it's your form solo. So like your information and you're, there's an instructor in one plane and then you're in the other one and you're, y'all are doing it like. The form solo was that was that was the probably the most fun flight that I had in, in phase two. 
Okay. Were you nervous for your first time? Oh, yeah. Solo? Oh, yeah. And then how how many flights do you fly with the instructor before you fly solo? Oh, man. Roughly. Man, I couldn't even, I couldn't even tell you. Like, it, it, it's quite a few. Like, you're, by the time you get to solo, like, you're, you're prepared. You're ready for it. Um, okay. I want to say at least, at the very least, at least 20. I'm pretty sure, like, more than that, but I'm pretty sure at least 20. If you had to, if you had to break down your time in the actual flight training school, mm-hmm. like say, you know, what percentage of it was like classes and studying, mm-hmm. what percentage of it was, I guess, uh, actually flying, what percentage of it was, I don't know, whatever else you you had to do there. But it sounds like a lot of it was studying and and classes, until you get to like phase three. It sounds like. So the the bulk of the program is actually phase two, like in the in the T six. Okay. That's that's where it's designed to be uh, the longest. Um, just because you're kind of putting together like the learning that you did, like just learn the basics and actually flying it, learn how to fly. Um, so if I had to break it down, I would say, uh, we'll say T6s is, is about, we'll say like 40, 40, maybe 50%. Um, so phase one, or I'll break it down into the phases. So phase one academics, maybe like, excuse me, 20, 30%. Uh, then phase two is about 40, 50 percent. And phase three is another like 30, 20, 30 percent. Like the bulk is the, the the part in the middle. And then phase three, not very long, um, just because you kind of know what you're doing. You're just learning a new, you know, new way of thinking, new plane. Um, mm-hmm. And then the first part, it's not super. It's a couple of months, um, but I don't know. It's, it's just like being in school again. Um, but that phase two takes the majority of the of the time. Okay. And then I kind of have a question that you may not know the answer to, but do you know if, say, you do all this and you, you finish your time in the Air Force, mm-hmm. do you have an equivalency of some commercial license that you could, you know, uh, I guess, like, fly commercially with? <laughs> I'm Dude, I am, I'm really impressed. You've been, you have done your research. Like, you, these are really good questions. Like, legit. Um, I actually <laughs> took... Uh, I've got my, what's it called? There's there's definitely a, an official like title to it, but I've got my essentially commercial license, like the, the bare bones, like minimum commercial license. Mm-hmm. I took that test um, like a week before graduation. And that one essentially uh, allows me, if I wanted to rent a jet, or not a jet, if I wanted to rent a plane. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be tough trying to rent a jet. If I wanted to rent a plane like on the weekend or something and then take, family and friends, like a family member or a friend or something up flying for a couple hours, um, they can pay me for like gas or something like that. Basically you can be, you can be paid to, to fly somebody. Um, by the time oh, you're okay. done, you'll have a lot more than just that, um, bare minimum, uh, certification. Uh, but, uh, you also, and my, my understanding of this one is you'll get a lot more certification, but you also still need, a decent a decent amount uh yeah i'm, I'm like, speculating for sure but like you you will have some some tor- some type of, of like certification and it will be okay. like competitive for if you want to go to the airlines and stuff like that all right good i guess one of my questions is uh could you kind of like uh well i guess you haven't been working in the field too far mm-hmm. so i'm not sure if you can really answer this one but i was kind of curious do you have any uh I guess feelings as to what is the good parts about the job currently and what are like the worst parts about the job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really, 
have that for you right now, but I can just give a little bit on, uh, you know, we asked the, the pilots who, like before we got done with pilot training, we'd always ask um, different pilots of different aircraft, like, hey, what do, you, what do you like about your jet? What do you like about, what do you dislike? Um, what do you like about being a pilot? What do you dislike? That kind of stuff. Um, so a couple of the, couple of the g- generic answers that, that I'll give or the, the very common answers that I'll get are on the, the positive side, Definitely like going out, seeing the whole world, like multiple guys told me they've been to over 50 countries, like um, stayed in some of the nicest like hotels and in some of the nicest countries, like just seeing a whole bunch of cool stuff. Um, so the traveling aspect, that was a big, big uh, selling point for me, like deciding to go pilot. Like, you know, I want to see the world. Like that sounds dope. Um, so uh, the traveling aspect, um, missions that you do, uh, super cool. Like, Obviously, like being a fighter pilot, like you're, you're a fighter pilot. You, you can say that, like you, you do that. <laughs> um, and then also, but also some of the, the less uh, publicized, I guess, are um, guys like tankers. Like they're they're giving gas to those those fighter pilots that are like packing the mission. They're 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 uh, based like a gas station in the sky in the sky. Like those dudes wouldn't be able to do what they do if, if it weren't for the tankers. Uh, and then you got uh, jets like the the HC-130. Like they're they're helping with humanitarian relief they're, they're helping guys um, like combat search and rescue uh, so just the there's a bunch of different mission mission sets that you do uh, as a pilot that you're you're really making a difference um, so that's that's definitely a, a big a big pro as well um, and what else uh, the opportunity to to go to the airlines like getting that getting that time like you you'll have quite a you'll have quite a few hours once you get done with your, your career and you want to make that that jump to the airlines and so you already understand what it's like to be a pilot all these things that you did in the military like it's it's a very easy transition um, that's my perception at least to going over to the uh, to the civilian side flying for for Delta or, or whoever you want to fly with um, and then also another thing with being a pilot is pretty much. All of the the generals, all the top leadership in the Air Force, were were pilots. Like that's their their career field. Um, and so, if if you want to have that leadership opportunity, if you want to be a general one day, like the best, mm-hmm. just plain and simple, the best way to do that is to to be a pilot. Um, it's okay. it's uh, I don't know. I, I kind of chalk it up to the fact that like we're we're the Air Force, so like pilots, it makes sense that pilots are like the the main event, so to speak, or whatever. But um, just the leadership opportunities that, that you'll be able to get um, are, are really good as well. So now looking at some of the some of the cons, um, definitely the biggest one that I hear is um, like the family life, family aspect that you're, you're definitely encouraged to, to to have a family if that's if that's something that you desire. Um, and there, there's an awesome support system, like all the all the spouses get together all the time um, and they, they're they're there to support one another, like when when loved ones like go on deployments and stuff like that. So that's super dope. But like just the fact that you're away from family a lot, um, especially if you're flying the uh, cargo planes, like the C-17, um, I'm pretty sure on average they're gone like 300 or so days out of the year. Like they're not at home. And so okay. that, that can be kind of tough on, on family. Um, uh, and then, you know, just I think this one's military like in general, but um, just moving from place to place, not being able to um, kind of, Settle down as easily. Exactly. Those, those rules can't go super deep because um, you're having to pull them back up every three or four years. Um, what else? What else? 
Uh, I mean, also something like not necessarily that we've been told in, in briefings and stuff like that, but like just thinking about it, flying is inherently dangerous. Um, so that's something. There, there is a risk. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's, it's a risky, risky job. And so we have to remember that and like take it seriously. Um, like we're flying in a big old metal box. Like that, that thing, that thing can kill us. Um, so really being on top of our stuff and, uh, um, respecting, respecting the jet, um, it's, that's another thing. So like the inherent risk as well. So that's when I, when I kind of think about, um, what it's going to be like as a pilot, like that, those are the kind of things that I'm thinking about. Okay. And do you have an idea? Is it, um, almost like segmented, like you only really are flying missions when you're, uh, I guess, actively deployed or is it, uh, just kind of like you're at the air force base and you know, one week you could go fly a mission. The next week you could be in the office all week. I don't know if you have a good idea for that yet or not. Man, it's, um, it definitely depends. Like when you're, when you're going out to your operational unit, depending on your, your mission, whatever jet you're flying, you might be, you know, taking off doing, excuse me, doing a, uh, doing some, uh, practice. I get like the fighter guys, they, they really don't go, um, down range all that much. Like from, from what I've, from what I've heard, my understanding of it, uh, but they do a lot of training missions here stateside. Um, whereas, like the uh, like C one thirties, the uh, like U twenty eight, those especially like AFSOC guys, they're they're going out and they're actually hacking the mission. They're they're going out um, to uh, those kind of hot areas uh, and, and uh, doing you know a lot of stuff that like we don't even know about probably. Um, so it's, it definitely varies, uh, but then. So what I'm going to be doing, I'm, I'm sticking around here in, uh, in Mississippi. Um, I got picked up to be an instructor, a first assignment instructor pilot. Um, so okay. it's going to be a lot of taking off like instructional sorties with the students trying to, you know, pump out more pilots through the pipeline. Um, so my day can can be as as varied as, you know, not having anything um, one day and then I'm flying a couple of sorties the next day. Um, so I think it is very mission dependent, very aircraft dependent, what your, you know, flying schedule looks like. Okay. And now you said you were going to be an instructor. You, would you be an instructor for like the phase two or the phase three? It's, it's going to be a uh, phase three. I'll be, I'll be uh, flying okay. the, the T1, T1 Jayhawk. Okay, cool. Now I think you, you may have kind of answered this earlier unintentionally, but I'm going to ask again to clarify, Okay. but it sounds like you don't, you don't necessarily have to go to the Air Force Academy to get a job as a pilot. You could start out as an enlisted person or you could transfer from another uh, military branch or something like that. Is that true? And that is, that is very true. You do not have to go to the Air, Air Force Academy to, to be a pilot. I will say, I will caveat that though, um, going to the Air Force Academy is your best shot at getting it. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a lot easier uh, for somebody who went to the academy, like it was a lot easier for me to go to the academy and my, my process of getting to pilot training and, and being a pilot than it was for uh, a couple of my, my uh, counterparts who went to ROTC or OTS. Like it's the academy is we get the the largest, uh, we get like the king share of the pilot slots. Um, they're, they're basically like handing out like candy. And if you want one and your your eyes and ears and all that stuff are good enough for it, like you, you have a very high chance of, of getting it. Uh, whereas, um, like one of my best buddies who went through phase three with me, who we were flying partners, he had to, he had to scrap. Like it was, 
it was not a guarantee that he was going to uh, be able to go to pilot training. Um, so it is definitely possible. You can you can absolutely make it happen. Um, but I will say, like, if pilot is something that you want to do, um, definitely shoot for uh, going to the going to the academy because you'll just like increase your your chances like by a lot. Okay, so it, it kind of sounds to me like if you go through the Air Force Academy, as long as you meet the basic requirements to do the uh, pilot training, you're basically in. Whereas if you're trying uh, as an enlisted man or something, uh, you kind of have to apply for it. And if there's a slot open, you know, it's competitive, you might get in, but you very well may not. You may have to apply several rounds or something like that. It's kind of what it sounds like to me. Yeah. And so with when, when it comes to the enlisted you're talking about, uh, so you have to be a pilot or sorry, you have to be an officer to be a pilot. Um, and it's oh, okay. kind of so different. you have to be in there for a little bit. Yeah. You, you have to go through some kind of commissioning source. So like, um, the enlisted guys there, they did their, their, uh, other, you know, job as, as enlisted, but then they made that switch over to the officer side, whether you're OTS or, uh, ROTC. Um, some of them I, I've, I've had, I have, I should say, um, buddies who were prior enlisted who went to the Academy uh, and graduated with me at the Academy. So, um, yeah, making that, making that flip, um, it happens very often. Um, uh, but okay. like you said, yeah, it's, it's tougher. You have to, like apply to get into the academy or get into ROTC um, or, or OTS. And then from there, it's just a lot more, I guess, hoops to jump through, I would say, um, than it is like going to the academy and trying to get to the same place. Now, real quick, what is OTS? Uh, officer Training School. It's basically – Okay. Yeah, it, it's uh, another commissioning source, and I really don't know a whole lot about it. And it seems – we make the joke all the time, like just get some uh, – Joe Schmoes off the off the street who want to be uh, officers in the Air Force, like, and that's that's obviously not not how it works. But um, I think that one is more for the folks who kind of have an established like career already. Um, they might have mm-hmm. been like, I don't know, a doctor or something like that, uh, and then they wanted to be a doctor in the Air Force. So then they would go through OTS, and then I'm pretty sure they would they would um, finish OTS and become officers in the Air Force and. I think they might start off as either like a first lieutenant or a captain, but okay. yeah, that's, that's just speculation. Just another uh, commission sort commissioning source. I guess as we start to wrap these things, Oh, I do have one more question. Yeah. Uh, I'm not good with my airplane te- uh, terminology at all. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, but the plane that has also has the propellers like a, like a helicopter, uh-huh. which, uh, which phase would that fall under? Do you know? Yeah. Could you, could you ask that one? Yeah, I might be uh, miss uh, misspeaking a little bit, but when you were talking earlier, you said in phase three, mm-hmm. that's where you like tend to specialize. You could uh-huh. do like kind of like your transport, your fire pilots, or the other ones, uh-huh. or the helicopters. Uh, do you know which? Uh, I guess which one that would fall under if you wanted to fly the one that kind of acts as a plane and a helicopter? I, I don't know the name of it. Gotcha. What, what is it again? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I thought you were, you were talking about, but I wanted to clarify <laughs> to make sure. So that you're talking about the CV twenty two Osprey. It's kind of like Osprey, a yeah. mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that one, you need to go the helicopter route because it, okay. it's rotary wing. And so they used to they used to give uh, guys CV-22s out of uh, the T-1, the one I'm going to be flying. Um, they're doing that for phase three. But I think they uh, struggle a little bit with the, you know, rotary concept. Um, and so they only want helicopter guys to, uh, to go to CV-22. Um, so yeah, you, you okay. need to go phase three. You need to go the, uh, the helicopter QE, um, just rotary wing, uh, route for that one. 
Okay, that makes sense because I'd imagine, um, and this is just me judging from from commercial flights, I've heard that the most dangerous part is taking off and landing. Mm -hmm. And I imagine the Osprey takes off and lands like a helicopter, not like a plane. So that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Is taking off and landing the hardest part or is it the aeronautic maneuvers? (laughs) I would say landing is the hardest part. Like taking off, it is, both of those are like, they're, critical phases of flight like the, mm-hmm. if something goes wrong in either one of those like it, it's a bad day but like just in terms of being difficult i feel like at least in my experience like landing it is an art like it takes it takes a while um to get the feel for that one because it's like mm, i'm i'm in the air and then i want to be on the ground i gotta <laughs> i gotta do that somehow <laughs> I, had, I gotta head towards the ground but not too fast <laughs> exactly yeah, and I'd imagine that's uh, with all the the technology we have today, that's still very much a a feel, kind of instinct kind of thing, rather than a okay, I have to go at thirty degrees at this speed, and you know, blah blah blah. And you're just looking at a computer. I imagine it's still a lot more instinct and feel though. Oh, for sure, definitely got to feel it. You are you're hundred percent right about that. And following up on that, I am kind of curious, like um, at least in the military perspective, how automated is the flying aspect? Like, uh, is there a lot of automation in there or is it just uh, mostly still the pilot and using all the tools to his disposal? Yeah, it is, it's definitely, um, like I said, a lot, of, a lot of my answers to some of these questions, like specifically uh, flying and, and airplane related, it's gonna be like aircraft dependent. Um, some of them have a lot more automation than the others, um, but I'll just use like the, the planes that we have in, in UPT as an example. So like the T6, not super automated. Like it's got like GPS, um, and it's got it's got automation, um, but the plane that uh, I flew in phase three, the T1, um, we got an autopilot in that one. Got autopilot, we got like a yaw damper to help to keep the uh, plane from getting to what's called death roll. Um, and that happens when you get kind of uh, up there in, in altitude. Um, so like just in UPT, there was a jump from T6 to the T1 in terms of automation. Like we didn't have an autopilot in, in the T6, but had to get used to using that, that technology and, uh, and our, what's it called? Basically our flight computer, um, we put in our flight plans and stuff like that is a lot more, it can do a lot of stuff. Um, and so that was a big jump from the T6. So if that gives you any, any kind of indication, like there's a, it, it can get kind of crazy. Like just the stuff that I've heard about the C-17 and, and the, uh, the KC-10 and, and they're coming out with the, uh, the KC-46 is still kind of going through its, its test phase, phases. Um, there's some crazy automation in, in those. So it just depends. Okay. Now I looked up a picture of a T-6. I'm not sure if it's the correct one, but this looks like a propeller plane. Is it a propeller plane? Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. So how how is the feeling of a propeller plane different than say something like a jet propulsion? Mm-hmm. So okay, how how is that feeling different other than speed, obviously? Right. <laughs> oh man, you put me to shame. I should know the uh, all the aerodynamic forces that are on it and stuff like that. All the, <laughs> the yaw, adverse yaw and stuff. Um, <laughs> let me see. The one of the biggest things that uh, I can definitely recall and still like feel as I'm sitting here thinking about it is the fact that in the T6 with that with that prop, 
once you push the power up and the props start spinning uh, faster, like you get um, almost immediate, like you get that kick and it, it spools up pretty quick. Whereas in the T1, which is a was a jet engine, um, it the spool up rate is a lot slower. It's it's not okay. like ridiculous, but there is definitely a, a noticeable difference between those two. Um, Interesting. But, yeah. Oh, that like honestly, I. I feel, I feel like I don't know enough about um, those like aerodynamic <laughs> stuff to to give you a good answer for that one. It, it's different for sure, but no, no, that's good. I was I was asking mainly from an, uh, a feel perspective. Okay, uh, but that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that the uh, the jet propelled uh, propelled plane would have had like a slower response to it, but that's cool. I guess we'll start rounding this thing out. Do you have any specific advice or cautions to people who want to go to the Air Force Academy? or want to be uh, going to pilot training. We kind of touched on some things earlier. Obviously, if you want to be a pilot, it sounds like your best and most direct route would be to go to the Air Force Academy. Mm -hmm. But I guess just any in general advice or cautions to people. Um, definitely uh, ask ask people that have like been there, because uh, that's something that I'm still doing. Like, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just starting off as a pilot and so i'm, I'm kind of reaching forward to some of like my mentors who were pilots um to ask them like all right cool what what should i be thinking what kind of things that what what, what kind of things should i avoid what kind of things should i try and do um so just in general ask asking people who have been there and done that um is always a good idea um and then as you're trying to make that decision on you know what do you want to what do you want to do with your life basically trying to, to really take some time to gather some good information, like think about it and, and make a really educated decision. And then for going to the academy, uh, definitely just practical advice, like make sure you're like running and stuff uh, before you go out there. Cause I you know, may or may not have heard uh, about Colorado, but like <laughs> the air is rare. Like it is, the altitude is no joke. So if you can be um, as physically uh, prepared and fit as you can uh, before basic you you're gonna thank yourself a lot like it's, it's gonna make a huge difference let me see at the if, if you go the academy route um, make sure that you take advantage of that extra instruction that i was talking about um, the instructors are there for you um, to, to help you they want to help you succeed um, and so don't don't be uh, afraid um, don't don't let your pride get in the way. Um, ask for help if you need it, um, because it, it is there. Sign up, like try go, try and do different things. Like if you if you see opportunities to uh, like travel, um, like study abroad, like hosting international uh, students, hosting uh, cadets from other academies. Like there's a there's a lot of options to to do some cool, different, um, weird stuff at the academy. Like go for like just. Get the full experience, basically. Don't don't just be um, somebody who, you know, kind of sits in their their room, like goes to school and then comes back and then does it again every day, like and nothing nothing else besides that. Like, squeeze squeeze the most out of it that you can, because uh, you will definitely enjoy it a lot more. Uh, and then for UPT, I would say, so we've got what's called casual status, and it's basically you show up to your base. It's not time for you to start training yet. So they'll they'll plop you into a another job like working at the gym or working at the 
I don't know, finance building or something, helping helping them shred papers. They'll basically put you somewhere to help another squadron while you're waiting to start training. Mm-hmm. If you are going to UPT, like enjoy casual status, try and get some of the information, we call it gouge, try and get some of the gouge uh, that will help you once you do start and be kind of looking at that. Uh, gouge called bold face, bold face and ops limits. Uh, and it's basically emergency procedures that you have to memorize. And then ops limits are the operational limits of the of the aircraft. So try and get familiar with those at, at the at the bare minimum. But definitely don't don't kill yourself trying to learn everything about the plane before you start. Enjoy that time, and that that goes for all throughout UPT. Like when you have time, take advantage of it because it's a it's a grind. It's a grind for sure. So having that having that time off is is key, and and being able to you know, use that time wisely to recharge. Just having a rhythm for life, not letting UPT become your life is definitely something I would I would recommend, encourage people to do. Ask a lot of questions about each aircraft because we, I know at the Academy, we definitely got more so of the, the fighter pilot, like worldview, I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. Like we, we got a bunch of, dope videos and, and people coming in to talk to us about how cool it was to be a fighter pilot, but we didn't really hear much about the other aircraft. Like the Air, the Air Force has got a bunch of different planes in inventory and they all do super cool stuff. Uh, spread the love, like ask ask different people uh, who flew different things what they what they liked about the jets and like a big one is like what they dislike because that'll that'll really give you a good idea of like how the community is and how the, the mission actually is and, and how it is flying the, the jet. Yeah, that's that's definitely the the first thing that, that comes to mind with, with both of those. Um, it's it's been enjoyable. It's been super enjoyable so far, man. I'm I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for me for me uh next. And uh yeah hopefully one of these days I'll be able to actually give you some some good information on what it's like to be a pilot. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll hit you up in a couple of years and I'll let you know. Yeah, we'll do a review in a few years. That sounds like a lot of great advice. And it sounds like, in general, this whole process, they've been, the Air Force um, has been pretty supportive and counseling and everything and helping you decide where you want to go. And there's, it sounds like you're, you're going up a tree. There's a ton of branches. There's a ton of different options. And they're trying to help you find your place. They're not necessarily scolding you if you don't fit somewhere, you know. So that, that sounds good because, you know, I think that is a concern that a lot of people might have is like, oh, once I start, do they, they just place me somewhere and I have to fit in or, you know, but it sounds contradictory to what I just said, um, that they'll let you kind of move around and figure out where you want to be. So that's good. Um, I guess, what do you feel like you gained most valuable from this whole experience? If you had to list one thing, uh, what do you attribute the most to this experience? Man, this is going to be kind of a ethereal like answer is not i don't want to be general with it it is very particular to me um and very applicable uh, but it, it might not it might if it sounds like a cop out i promise it's not like I'm, I'm being very genuine with this one so like the biggest thing that i have taken away from this experience is like learning how i respond under pressure like when when the rubber meets the road how is valerian gonna gonna respond to different situations Right. Like you, they put you through the ringer. Like it, it is, like I said, it's like the toughest thing that I've been through. Um, and I've learned a lot about myself, like how I, how I respond, like when I'm sleep deprived, like 
how do, how do I perform? Like how, how do I learn when, you know, I've got a short amount of time to, to learn something. Yeah. That, that, what is it? Self, um, self-awareness, you gain self-awareness, um, going through this, this process. That's at least at this point, like right now, when you ask me that question, that's pretty much the first thing that came to mind, man, I, I'm a, I'm a different person than I was two years ago. Um, after, after having gone through this experience and, um, just kind of seeing that progression has been, has been dope. And I'm definitely going to take like those things about myself that I learned and try and, you know, apply, apply that everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. Good. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds great. It sounds like it was a lot of fun for you and I'm, I'm happy for you. It, <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun, <laughs> Thanks, but yeah, I think. For people listening out there, if you are somewhat interested in applying to the Air Force Academy or being a, a pilot for the Air Force, a great first step is A, listening to the podcast. <laughs> uh, but B, yeah, like he said, talk to people. And this just listening to the podcast may answer a lot of your questions or may spur some more questions that you can ask more specifically. So I'm glad I was able to interview you. I think you're a great person to interview, especially in this like little mini military series I'm trying to do here for the different routes that you can get into the military if you want to serve or, you know, if you just want to get free college. I mean, that's a good way to do it, go to the military. But, uh, yeah, so this was a lot of fun, man. I think it was a great interview. I think it answered a lot of questions people might have. Thanks, bro. I think you serve as an inspiration for a lot of people, too. Oh, man, that's that's big time, man. <laughs> I appreciate you I appreciate you uh, inviting me to, to do this, man. I, I really do hope that somebody got something out of it. Um, and uh, they're encouraged to, you know, at least consider the Air Force and, and consider going to going to pilot route. It'd be dope. It's a good time. All right. I'm going to close out real quick. Yeah. So thank you for listening to Job Fair Podcast. Uh, you can always email us at kwcpodcast at gmail.com if you would like to nominate somebody you think would be good for an interview or if you would yourself like to be interviewed. And also, if you have questions that you're, like, begging me to ask people I'm not thinking of, you can uh, email questions you'd like to ask or professions you want to hear about. So, yeah, hope you learned something. Thanks, guys.